So I found myself intrigued at, uh, <clears throat> at Greg's story because there's actually an interesting twist on the end of that because uh, a bad bear, depending on how you define bad, as in a, a person who doesn't really look like a bear doesn't get shot at, do they? But if you do a good job being a bear, but a good job being a bear might actually be a bad bear. So that's, I'm kind of back and forth on trying to figure out what, what is a good bear and what is a bad bear, but that was a wonderful story. And uh, th- this is a, uh, an image from Scripture today that lends itself well to illustration, and that was great illustration, and then Patty with your, with your fruit up here, and now you're eating it. So apparently that was good fruit, and, uh, and you're enjoying that. So this one lends itself well to that. Uh, good to be here today. Hope you all had a good week. Uh, very much uh, enjoyed last Sabbath when we were able to have the the choir from Campion here. They did such a good job, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, This has been uh, a weekend. Alicia's actually back in town. You wouldn't know it because she's not sitting there because this weekend is a senior recognition weekend up at Campion Academy, so she's there today, and I'll be running up there later on uh, in this day. But uh, anyway, she is back so that you know that, and uh, we should see her, I think, next Sabbath, so that'll be good. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word, for your goodness. We pray, Lord, you'll be with us today as, as we reflect on these words and how they might apply in our lives. We're going to need discernment and wisdom. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So sticking with that theme, I love to eat good fruit. Do you like to eat good fruit? Is that, is that a thing here? I really love to eat good fruit. I, my favorite, I think, are berries. I love raspberries. I love blackberries. I love strawberries. But I'm also a fan of oranges. And, and I developed, when I was in college, I developed a taste for grapefruit. I'd always kind of liked it, but I used to buy uh, like a quart of grapefruit juice, and I would drink it in the evening. I don't know how I got started doing that, but uh, I, I got to where I really liked that. I didn't initially love cherries, but then when I was, uh, it was the summer before my freshman year of academy, we were living in College Place, Washington, and just south of there, there were some people who owned very large cherry orchards, and I got a job one summer picking cherries. And through the process of that, I developed a, a great appreciation for cherries. These were great. They were wonderful. I, I'm a big fan of peaches. I like peaches a lot. Um, grapes, yeah, pretty much. Um, my favorite, though, is Concord grapes. Have you had those? You can't really just eat them down because the, the skins are really thick, but it's kind of a whole project to eat them. You, you, you suck the inside out, and then the sweetest part is actually right on the skins. I like bananas. A little frustrated about bananas right now because of an incident yesterday. I got some bananas yesterday, and the helpful person that was helping me put things in bags stuck them on the bottom. 
and then some other things went on top of them. And you know when they get bruised, how fast they stop being good bananas? Yeah, so you see, I'm a little picky with them because I don't like them when they're, they're so unripe that they're a little bit crispy, you know that, and you're like, ah, not loving that. And then when they get so ripe that the skin is almost so thin on them, you, I don't like, I like them in that perfect zone. And now these are going to be hard to eat in that perfect zone. But thankfully, that kind of banana is not rare. It's actually pretty common. But that's kind of my main list of fruits I love. My, there are members of my family who have a much longer list than that. My wife, my father, they love just about any kind of fruit. And, and they will find it anywhere and eat it anywhere. Alicia's always had this desire to eat durian. You ever heard of durian? Supposedly, it smells terrible, but tastes wonderful. So I'm not sure I'm on board with that, but that's, that's what I hear. But she wants to try that. I love to eat good fruit, but as much as I really love to eat good fruit, I really don't like to eat bad fruit. In fact, thank you. And in fact, I don't even like marginal fruit. And so I like apples okay, but they have to be almost perfect. If they are flavor or texture-wise even slightly off, I'm like, eh, I don't think so. Now, I know there's some people, they just go on and eat it anyway. They're like, ah, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> they just keep going. I'm not like that. I don't eat fruit because it's good for me. I should probably make a few more choices like that in my life than I do. But I don't eat it because it's good for me. I eat it because it tastes good. Now, there's an interesting lesson I've learned in shopping for fruit. And this is the general rule I've learned. If it's expensive, it probably isn't good. That's the weird rule about fruit. Because fruit has seasons. For example, strawberries. Love strawberries. When we were at the seminary in Michigan, that meant early summer with night after night of strawberry shortcake and strawberries as a, as a staple every morning on my cereal. I used to buy them at a roadside stand. And they were big and they were juicy and they were sweet. And they were surprisingly inexpensive when the time was right. It was like there were so many of them available all at that exact same moment that they couldn't sell them fast enough. But then, after a certain number of weeks, they would disappear from the fruit stand. You could still get them at the grocery store. But they disappeared from the fruit stand. And that was my clue that it probably wasn't worth buying them anymore now. Because the ones available didn't grow here. They grew somewhere else. And somebody picked them and brought them here. Now when we were in Florida, strawberry season is a little different. Strawberry season in Florida happens during what the rest of America calls winter. So it actually happens in February and March. 
So wherever you are, you've got to learn these rhythms. Now, I didn't have a fruit stand that I went to in Florida, but this was my clue in Florida. When I went to the grocery store and the 16-ounce container of strawberries was $1.99, that was go big time. When it was $4.99, don't bother. See, that's the funny thing about fruit. Usually it's best when it's cheapest because that means there's lots of it and it's really good right now. Now, I'm still trying to learn my, my fruit rhythms here in Colorado. I don't quite have it yet. Maybe I should concentrate a little more this year. Maybe, maybe somebody could write up for me a little uh, seasonal primer so I know exactly how to do this. We did manage to get peaches right one year. I think we kind of missed last year. Anyway, there's a purpose in all of this as an introduction to something that Jesus said, something that's, that's inherently easy to understand, but not always easy to live out. Because I don't know about you and your life, but I can tell you about me and my life. Sometimes I make poor choices. You ever do that? Every now and then I make a bad choice. So all of this that I'm telling you has been my attempt to set the table. Uh, fruit. Set the table. All right. Let's see if we can find anything in here that we can eat. Huh? All right. I, we'll stop with that. All right. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. And then verse 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. All right, so today we're continuing on in, in chapter 6 of the book of Luke. And we've been in this chapter for quite a while. Uh, and later on this year, we may go on to chapter 7, but I really wanted to finish up chapter 6. There's just really two more messages I need to do in this chapter. So this week and next week, we'll finish up chapter 6. And then we're going to spend at least eight weeks talking about uh, mission and vision as it relates to this church and the work that the elders have been doing and the statement that we voted as a working document at our business meeting this last November. We'll flesh that out. We'll come to understand what it means. And, and we'll seek to apply it to the different elements of how we are functioning as a church and as a community. So we'll start on that in a couple weeks. Before today, what is Jesus telling us with these words? I'll read them again. Luke 6, verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. All right, so let me confess up front. I am not a fruit grower, so I cannot independently vouch for the first statement here that Jesus makes regarding where good fruit comes from, but it at least makes sense to me, this idea that 
that good trees primarily produce good fruit and bad trees primarily produce bad fruit. Now, I don't know if that means you can walk out into the orchard and say that's a bad tree, it never makes any good fruit or not. I don't know exactly how that works, but, but that's what's implied here. And that makes sense to me. I, I, I would think if a tree was prone to good fruit, it would always be prone to that. So, so I think that makes sense. But despite that, I don't think we have any prevaricating or going back and forth on the next part of the passage for sure. Because I know, even though I'm not a fruit grower, I've never seen figs growing on thorn bushes. So that part, yes, absolutely. I've never seen grapes in brambles. Now, I've seen blackberries there, but let's not go too far with the illustration here. Jesus is making a good point that the plant produces what it produces. So we won't push the obvious illustration. The point Jesus is making with all of this is quite clear in verse 45, and it goes like this. The good person, out of the good treasure of his or her heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his or her evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I very much believe this is true. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that a good person never does anything wrong or that an evil person never has a moment where they might appear decent. But I think we do need to concede for the sake of progress in this sermon and progress in our lives that this generalization holds. What we have embraced inside will come out in our behavior. So the point is clear enough, but what are the implications? As we consider the implications of this, I'd like to break it into two sections. The first is you and me as consumers of fruit, and the second is you and me as producers of fruit, because we have both of those experiences in our lives. We go and we live our lives and we experience the fruit of others, that's us as consumers, And we live our lives and produce what other people experience from us. So let's look at it from both of those perspectives. First, us as fruit consumers. And I start with this. Why would you want to eat bad fruit? There are two ways I want to look at this particular thing. First, in a self-preserving way. And and here's a maxim that, that I want you to reflect on. It goes like this. When a person, by their actions, tells you something, believe them. It doesn't matter if their mouth is telling you something different. If, by their actions, they are telling you a consistent message about themselves, believe it. Believe what they're doing. Now, this has both positive and negative applications. For example, don't ask a person who can't keep his desk straight to set up the table of food in an attractive way in the lobby. That's an illustration about me, because if you've ever seen my desk, it's not straight. And one time somebody asked me to help out there, and it didn't go well. So, 
If you can't keep your desk straight, don't try to make that look good. All right, here's another one. Don't ask a person who does not sing well to sing for special music. If they demonstrate they don't sing well, believe them. All right, simple enough. How about this? Don't ask a person who is habitually late to regularly be the one to unlock the doors in the morning. It's, just, it's not smart. If somebody's habitually late, believe them. Adapt. Learn that that's how it's going to be. Don't waste your time telling them to be on time. It's not going to help. Just learn. Okay. Those maybe are low stakes kinds of things, but there's more serious issues here too. For example, don't keep heaping affection on someone who doesn't love you back. Okay? Believe them. When their behavior says no, believe them. Don't keep trusting a person who always breaks your trust. Or how about this one? Don't keep lending things to people who never return them. Well, actually, you might be able to call me on that one because Jesus actually just, just about 10 verses earlier in Luke 6, 35 said this, But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. You see, this is a somewhat tricky sometimes when you're reading Scripture, because if you just grab a verse here, you just grab a verse there, you don't think about it in the bigger context, you can make some rules for your life that can be a little inconsistent. We also have this, Proverbs eleven fifteen: Whoever puts up security for a stranger will sur surely suffer harm, but he who hates striking hands in pledge is secure. So, so we have some of both in Scripture telling us on the one hand, yes, lend. On the other hand, be careful lending these kinds of things. Maybe a better way to look at this is if you lend to a person who has taught you they don't return things, just consider it a gift. Maybe that's how you ought to go. But there's a positive side to all this too. I'm talking about some negatives here. But here's a positive side. If a person with their actions shows themselves to be a true friend, then let them be a true friend and be a friend in return. Honor it. If a person shows themselves to be a true spiritual leader, then entrust them with spiritual leadership. Don't worry about their gender or their age or their whatever the case may be, if they've proven themselves, believe it. Trust the taste test. Is the fruit good? And if the fruit is good, continue to enjoy it. If the fruit is bad, don't keep eating it. But let's turn this inwards now and ask a question. Can I, as a person, just consume anything I want and not be impacted? Now this is always a little tricky to, to go out on this thin ice of a conversation about what we as individuals choose to consume for very soon the consideration tends to break down one way or another 
where we either have to accept the requirements of the most fearfully conservative person in the room, or we end up concluding that nothing really matters and we can just do whatever we want without any expectation of impact. Uh, I mean, we start with the premise, does what we consume impact us? And we say yes, then we tend to go down into this very Puritan narrowness that says, well, then we better not even breathe because there's pollution in the air. But if we say, no, not really, then sometimes we go down the other road where nothing at all matters. I don't like either of those views. For neither of those, and I've tried them both in my life, Neither of them have borne good fruit in my life. I don't like myself when I'm over here, and I don't like myself when I'm over here. There's got to be something else. But the alternative means that we have to actually engage in discernment and decision-making. And for whatever reason, we don't seem to love to do that, either because sometimes it implies that I have to decide for myself against something that I think I want or I have to make a decision that crosses somebody that I don't want to disagree with or disappoint. Paul has an interesting take on this and it actually shows up twice. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12. All things are lawful for me but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Now this is kind of a peculiar little, little saying that shows up in, this, in his letter to the Corinthians. And it is thought that Paul is either quoting something back to the Corinthians that they've said to him, or he's quoting a maxim of the time or something like that from some other philosophical source. But regardless here, Paul avoids the trap of making the list of right and wrong behaviors and instead puts a different standard on things. Fine, do whatever you want, but don't be fooled. Not everything's good for you. See, the saying is, all things are lawful for me. And Paul's like, fine, all things are lawful for you. But that doesn't mean everything's good for you. It's an interesting twist he's put on this. So, if you reflect on this and what he's saying in an external sense freedom could be described as the ability to take whatever action I might choose I am free to take any action I might choose without you stopping me one could define that as freedom however on the internal level freedom takes on a bit of a different twist you see Freedom may well mean on an internal level the ability to say no to yourself more than the ability to say yes. And this is what he's saying. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. When you have a drive inside of you so strong that it dominates your behavior, it matters not if everyone else gives you the freedom to do that. You are a slave. That's what addiction is. It's an internal slavery. And freedom comes from the ability to say no to yourself. The second time that Paul uses this phrase is almost the same, 
But in it, he introduces a different standard. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. This is the same letter. He comes back to it. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. That part's the same. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. So the first time he says, with the second part of it, he says, but I will not be dominated by anything. The second time he says, but not all things build up. So if we put these together, now it's not just whether or not does this hurt me or whether or not am I dominated by it, but now he's added another way of looking at it. It's not just that I not be mastered by something internal, but it's become, does this event or this activity or this thought or this interaction or whatever, does it build me up or does it tear me down? And I think we usually know the difference when we're interacting in one way or another or with something, whether this is making me a better person or making me less of a person. Maybe another way to say it is this. Does this make the fruit my life produces sweet or bitter? And then this, this then leads to the second overall section that I suggested we need to consider, and that is us as fruit producers. We've been talking about us as fruit consumers, but now let's talk about us as fruit producers. What kind of fruit does your life produce? And to what degree is it the direct product of what you're putting into yourself? We all know that this is a proven reality when it comes to health. What we put into our bodies will definitely affect what we can get out of our bodies. If we make good choices about diet, about lifestyle, we can get a lot out of these bodies. If we make poor choices, they will shut down. And it is also true of our intellect. If we commit ourselves to continue learning and growing, we will over time become more knowledgeable, more informed. We might even begin to develop wisdom. If we spend time on a daily basis reading scripture, we will grow in our knowledge and understanding of God's word. And, and we will grow spiritually provided we have invited the Holy Spirit into this process. I say that because there are scholars who know tons about what the Bible says, but it doesn't seem to have any impact on their hearts. But we don't have to have that experience. This all brings us back to Luke 6, verse 45, and these words, the good person, out of the good treasure of his or her heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let's ask it this way. What are you treasuring in your heart? Because whatever it is, it will come out in who you are or in who you are becoming. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. 
Did you ever put a good apple next to a bad one? Or a good orange next to one that is beginning to mold? What tends to happen? Does the good apple make the bad apple good again? That's not what tends to happen. Now, I, okay, I accept this is a bit of an unfair illustration because from the time an apple's picked, it's trending bad. Okay, I get that. But it accelerates the process when you put it next to one that's already there. Paul addresses this issue fairly well in 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Now, this passage would be easy to misapply, and we could, uh, we could very much, as we read them, come to think that, oh, we need to set up a purge and get rid of all the bad apples. The problem is, depending on how aggressive we got with that, we'd all be out of here within about six months until there was just one of us left who was completely insufferable and couldn't even stand to be with themselves. So obviously that's not the point that's being made here. And we have to read this in the context of everything else we know. For example, Jesus previously, just in what we've been talking about in Luke 6, has said, judge not that ye be not judged. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So we've got to bear that in mind when we read Paul's words here. And he says, before you try to remove the speck from your brother's eye, watch out for the log in your own eye. Okay, so we've got to hold all of this stuff in tension and try to understand the larger point being made. I think what's happening here, this section is not telling us to be judgmental. What is happening here is he's instructing us not to keep eating bad fruit because it harms us and it harms the community. When something arises within the community of faith that becomes disruptive to the community and to people within the community, it is the responsibility of the church to address that situation. Now that doesn't automatically mean we're right. It doesn't automatically mean the church always gets it right. But it always has to maintain this understanding that disruption to the community harms the larger purpose that God has for the church. So we have to look at these things and address them as they come up. I don't think we should read this passage as an admonition, like I said, to begin a purge. Rather, I think this is counsel to not continue to let harmful forces wreak havoc in the community of faith. Don't let bad apples sit around too long. But let's not lose the thread by focusing on the negative case. Let's instead focus on the concept 
of building up good treasure in our hearts. How do we do that? How do we build up good treasure in our hearts so that what comes out of us is good? It's pretty simple, really. I mean, at least in theory. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You want to know how to treasure up good in your heart. These are the things to focus on. This is very useful advice in an election season. Don't get drug into the mud. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, Anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's amazing how fast you can be drugged back and forth on things like this. And uh, there's nothing like the internet to get you there because it's set up to send you messages. So I was just thinking about even this morning, I, I spent a couple minutes in my office because there, there, were, there were no crises to address this morning. I don't know, maybe later today. We'll see. But uh, so I was just in there, and, and uh, I was looking at a couple things. I was checking something on the news, and I was looking at my Facebook feed. And, and not all of the messages that came to me through that source were true or honorable or just or, or pure or lovely or commendable or excellent or worthy of praise. And it impacted... My mentality. That's how easy it is to get drawn into these things. And what becomes of us if we're drawn negatively? Well, then that reservoir of negativity builds up within us and that comes out of us. But what happens to us if we're careful and we're trying to make sure the sources are positive, what does that produce in us? What kind of fruit do we bear? Well, maybe you've heard this one. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things... There is no law. So some of those messages I was being bombarded with this morning, they didn't give me love. They didn't give me joy. Definitely didn't give me peace. I felt a little impatient. I might have been a little unkind afterward. Anyway, you get the idea, right? But to look for those experiences that will bring the other out of us. This is what we need. So I want to invite the band to come back up. We're going to sing a few songs here in just a minute. But as they do, I want to close with this. 
The purpose today is to inspire you to consider your decisions, to reflect on your choices, and to make adjustments in your life in any area that the Lord speaks to your heart. Now, messages like this are frustrating to preach. Anybody who's ever been a pastor, you know this because the opportunity for hypocrisy is so high. It's so easy for me to tell you guys to be careful and then to go out and do the opposite in my own life. And I hate when that happens. And I try to never have to do those because then I have to live up to what I said. But that's really the point, isn't it? For all of us. To take responsibility for our lives. Now, it's not my purpose to cause anyone to become discouraged today. I want you to keep this in mind. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. I'm telling you these things in hopes that you won't sin. In hopes that I won't. But the passage goes on. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So yes, I'm telling you these things so that you might, out of the goodness stored in you, produce this good fruit. I also know we're not going to get it perfectly right. But it's okay. We have an advocate with the Father whose sacrifice is sufficient. So don't get caught up on that piece of it. Just come back and try again. Come back and try again. All things are lawful for me. Well, that might be debatable, but anyway. Not all things are helpful. I'll tell you that for sure. All things are lawful for me. Okay. But don't let anything be your master. All things are lawful for me. All right. But is everything building you up? You see, not everything you consume will cause you to bear good fruit. I have in my life had to choose against some things that I liked because I didn't like what they made me into. And I'll bet you've been down that road as well. So here's what I would say. May God help us as we seek to serve him faithfully.